Greetings, amigos, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today, as he is every week, is your co-host, Michael. He looks very good. He's got a couple days of stubble going. His hair is uh, parted beautifully to one side. Uh, he, he looks very good, and he looks like in, in a good space to be podcasting. Now, Michael has put together a top 10 list, the topic of which is unknown to me. Now, like I said, Mike has a top 10 version of that list. He will relay it to me, then I will know the topic. Once he's related to me, we'll vigorously debate, and by the end of this episode, we will have arrived at a definitive version of that top 10 list. Michael, what are we talking about today? All right, so Kyle, before we get to the actual list, uh, just a quick housekeeping item. So you and I uh, had talked about um, a little uh, a little reading assignment. So I think we are today is a good time to announce to the listeners that we are going to be reading a book as a as a podcasting community. Uh, Kyle, when are we? When is the assignment due? When when do we are we trying to post to the podcast about this? I think we should do it after the holidays because okay. like a lot of people get good. Good reading done over the over Thanksgiving, Christmas breaks. Uh, so let's target like early January. What do you think? I think that makes sense. So yeah, we'll that's, we'll let that's two people, months. We'll let people know like a specific time. But Kyle picked the book, so Kyle, why don't you tell people what we're reading? So uh, on this podcast and in general, a lot of discussion in, uh, this year about um, black authors. And we've talked, I think on this podcast, we talked a couple times about an author named Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, and I read a couple of his books this year, and um, we thought it would be fun to read one of his fiction uh, pieces, because most of his stuff is nonfiction. Um, so this book is called The Water Dancer, and I think he published it like... It's pretty recent, like within the last couple of years. Yeah, I want to say it was um, maybe like 2019. Probably like 2019. Yeah. It should be interesting. I know that his like fiction writing is like that part, portion of his career has not been as um, voluminous as his other writing because he was a writer for, you know, like a, a publication for a long time. But it should be interesting. He also wrote like a, a lot of he wrote several like Captain America and Black Panther lines the last couple years, so mm-hmm. I'm interested to dive into this side of his work, and um, it's a it's good for this year I think specifically because of his prominence as an author during this movement. So we'll see. Yeah, be, it should be fun. I'm interested. To, I'm definitely interested to read it because I, I in college I think it was I read uh, the case for reparations, which is that really big piece he did for the Atlantic. And the thing that really struck me about his writing was how, like, how a referential it was, um, and b how kind of direct and confrontational it was, which are both qualities of writing that don't seem to translate clearly to fiction, um, because it's right. it's a lot harder to sort of like reference historical events and movements and other papers and things like that in a fictional setting. Uh, and it's also really tough to just say like, hey, you reader, this is what I'm telling you. Uh, and those are things he does really well. So I'm excited. I'm excited to, I, I think that's fun. Like I read a, um, I read a book called uh, Wilderness of Error, which is um, this really long piece about the Jeffrey McDonald case, which is like a famous true crime case by, but it's written by this famous director and documentarian, Errol Morris. 
like that was a really cool experience for me because I I'm aware of I don't know that I've even seen any of his stuff but like I'm aware of his work as a director and to read him in a different medium is really cool yeah I looked today at the uh, the weight at the Chicago Public Library and there is no weight so it sounds like it might be long enough it seems like it's been out long enough that people shouldn't have difficulty getting a hold of it so that's good very nice uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk about the the topic at hand. So, Kyle, I texted oh, you yeah. last week. I want to say, um, and I I tried to be Mister Mysterious and just sent you a blurb of text. Let it simmer for a little bit, and then said, "Oh, by the way, that's the that's sort of the um, synopsis of an upcoming Mel Gibson film." And. <laughs> it's, it's this it's this film where santa a kid like sends a hitman after santa and long story short it's just a truly ridiculous uh and very bizarre plot setup and so what i want to talk about today are the top 10 strangest movie i forget i had a i had a better word for it but i'm forgetting now like setups let's call it that like the most bizarre movie setups so like i pitch this to you this movie is about x (laughs) y or z i want to talk about the most bizarre movies sort of setups what's interesting is that like this doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a bad movie like i bet there are a lot of movies where like it's really good but if you like deconstruct it and just give the bare plot points you're like that's fucking weird yes exactly (laughs) And, and I, so I want to be clear on sort of the structure because, um, there's a lot of movies that are really weird, uh, plots that I have not seen. And so sure. I am limiting this only to movies that I've seen and I'm going to put the others into sort of, uh, honorable mentions because I, okay. I also don't want to miss out on them because there really are some truly ridiculous, um, <laughs> plots out there. Some of which I was aware of, and some of which I, I did a little bit of internet research in, because I was surprised and pleased to find out the internet has thought a lot about this question, and so I, I stole some ideas, um, but none, none of those really made it onto my list, because my list, I, I had some already in mind, but uh, I will be mentioning some weird movie plots. Alright, well, uh, I'm into that. Um I guess we'll figure it out as we go. Please uh, begin with your list. I will. So number 10 is actually, uh, and I actually just decided right now, I'm going to read the synopses from IMDb as we go, because uh, I think that will help okay. set the scene. Wait, do that and let me see if I can guess the movie. Oh, that's a fun, that's a great idea. Oh, even better. Kyle, you've just taken an okay idea and elevated it. All right, hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me do a little work. This was, this was poor preparation on my part. So I do want to be clear. The first one is is probably the most plain vanilla of um <laughs> this is great. Um but the first one is the most plain vanilla of the movies that I've picked, but I'll explain why I find the plot so weird. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. A young boy inadvertently gains possession of a check for 1 million dollars and proceeds to spend it unaware that the gangsters to whom it belongs are in pursuit it sounds like the plot to uh kangaroo jack i know that's not it <laughs> <laughs> it does i forgot about king holy shit we're gonna maybe have to talk about kangaroo jack <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. no, so this one this one is a little film called blank check have you seen blank check 
<laughs> oh, oh, the one about the blank check. <laughs> I haven't. Have seen you that seen one. this one? You haven't seen. All right, no. so this one uh, is great because I know I want to. I want to double check this. I'm almost certain. Isn't uh, Sinbad in this movie? I hope so. Hold it on. sounds is like Sin- a Sinbad movie. Hold on. Is Sinbad not in this movie? Who the hell is his buddy in this movie? Oh. <laughs> Is the kid Macaulay Culkin? Maybe I'm thinking of the president. <laughs> no. Uh, why can't it? All right. I guess Sin- I've, I, the way I remember this, um, Sinbad is in this movie. <laughs> At any rate, the plot of this movie is, as we said in the synopsis, this kid gets a blank check for a million bucks and then just spends it on a bunch of outlandish, sh- outlandish <laughs> shit that a kid would want. <laughs> so what it, what I find so strange about this movie it was Tone... Tone Loke is in this movie? What the hell? Um, so what I find so strange about this is just... I think there were about a million different ways to get this same plot without this really weird kind of dark setup. Like, I don't understand <laughs> why they why they have to screw with the idea of gangsters being involved. Why there has to be this really outlandish notion of a blank check. That you just get, like all of a sudden there's just a check for a million bucks. He goes to the bank and he's like, could you cash this please? And they just cash a million dollar <laughs> check. Like, why couldn't this kid have just hit the lottery or something? It's, yeah, like it seems like the only reason you'd have to have it be gangsters is if you wanted it to get like violent and inappropriate, which doesn't seem like it's the direction that this goes. No, not really. <laughs> like why? Yeah, like why? Why? I guess, like, like for there to be some element of pursuit. Is it, like, is it, like, a Home Alone, or, like, yeah, like, a Home Alone vibe where, like, the, like, the antagonists are actually quite dangerous, but it, like, makes yes. it more funny? Okay. Yes. So I guess I get it. Like, like, in Home Alone 3, like, why does he have to have a chip from, like, these Russian terrorists in his little RC car? It's, like, the same kind of weird escalation. 100%. And I'm looking, this is, this is quite enjoyable. Uh, I'm really... Reading through the Wikipedia entry. So it's got a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the Chicago Tribune's review says, uh, with its contrived plot, MTV-inspired montages, and its blatant <laughs> shilling for products, it is film as hard sell, and it comes with a decidedly suspect warranty. Its mercantile instincts are so primary, it looks <laughs> like an infomercial. That's wow, rough. That's and scathing. I forgot about this. Um apparently there was this is an i'm sorry this is just incredible so um apparently there was a big kiss that occurred between the very underage um star of the film the like 12 year old boy and a grown woman oh okay so he was 11 filming and she was 31 and they have like a legitimately passionate kiss and the movie depicts it as like an awesome thing (laughs) <laughs> and apparently in, this is amazing in 2020 disney plus which has had several of these issues um, yeah. pulled a gay kiss out of the out of the movie uh love simon <laughs> or there's a tv spinoff because it was too adult but left in this weird pedophilia from blank check tough look for my guy disney yeah, tough, tough one, Walter. Um, but blank check, just don't understand it. Like, just make a stupid, crappy kids movie. Why the weird, contrived plot? 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to watch that one. That's on my list. Yeah. I Also, what Sinbad plays like somebody's bodyguard in some movie that I'm clearly mixing up with this. Um, at any rate. All right. Number nine <laughs> is a film. I want to... S- I want to say we've talked about this film before. Uh, number nine. Oh, oh, Jesus. I almost just screwed up the game already. Wait a second. You'll know this one. This one's an easy, an easy get. All right. A detective must adopt a rambunctious dog in order to help him find a killer. Um, Scooby-Doo. Oh, good guess. No, this is the American film classic, Turner and Hooch. Uh, duh. So, have you seen Have you seen Turner and Hooch? <laughs> oh, I never have, weirdly. Okay, so, so Turner and Hooch is exactly as that was pitched. Um, <laughs> so, I was reading through the, uh, the plot synopsis, like the, the more uh, robust synopsis from uh, Wikipedia, and... There's a whole setup where uh, Turner's old partner gets killed because he realizes a local seafood magnate is actually dirty. And oh. So he, gets, he gets popped. And so Turner ends up getting hooch. But here's the thing. This is not just your old run-of-the-mill, like, buddy romp. Hooch actually recognizes these killers and is legitimately playing, like, detective. The dog, this gigantic French Mastiff, is the most important investigator in this film. <laughs> it's like the, uh, that's like the reverse of the end of Midnight's Children, where that canine unit expects to get a dog, and instead they get Salim. <laughs> yes. And so here's, so here's the kicker. I've got, so this is what's, uh, this is like truly unbelievable. So you think Turner and Hooch, what a ridiculous plot setup. I can't believe that this actually got made into a movie. It came out three months after a film called K-9, starring Jim Belushi, which had effectively the exact same plot setup. Three months. So in the year 1989, you could have seen two movies over a three-month span about a dog detective. That was at least nominally marketed to adults that's that's just i think that tells you all you need to know about how good of an idea it is that's true that that's a good point so here's the other thing that i found out this is this is magnificent henry winkler aka the Fonz, was actually canned from this movie he was the director and ended up being canned due to creative differences That's a what a, <laughs> I I suspect I suspect there's something else where he was just like I don't want to fucking work on this movie about a fucking dog detective anymore but like imagine if it actually was creative differences something and they were like happened. we really we really need you to follow the script cuz these are Hooch's lines and he's like no I really don't think Hooch would behave that way <laughs> <laughs> I I like I really I really hope that the way you're describing it is what happened. Like there was some really serious artistic differences where they're all like sitting around, like balling up scripts and throwing it out. Like, God, we got to get this right. We have to nail this scene. I'm picture, Yeah. Like some like executive, like chomping on a cigar is like, you stick to the script. 
yeah. or you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. So Turner and Hooch, um, just a magnificently weird, weird movie. Um, but like legitimately well loved and has held up to this day. People still care about it. It's very weird that Turner and Hooch is a movie that's still in people's lives, you know, 40 years later, 35 years later. Uh, and it also, actually, I'm looking now, apparently, oh, get the fuck out of here. There is going to be a, oh my God, this is unbelievable. You're welcome. Uh, they're going to be rebooting Turner and Hooch on Disney Plus. And taking over the Tom Hanks role, Josh Peck. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, is Drake Bell going to be Hooch? <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope he does the voice. Well, that's fucking incredible. Also, like, Josh Peck, like, strangely does have, like, some weird Tom Hanks energy. I don't. I can't quite explain it. Like maybe it's just because of like the shape of his head and his hair. But like I don't actually hate that transition that much. Interesting. That's a good point. The head shape definitely contributes to it. They both, especially as I think Josh Peck has gotten older, they both have like an unobtrusively okay looking kind of look. Like neither of them is is like a distractingly handsome or or unattractive. And so I think it allows them to sort of tread a nice middle ground of humor and seriousness. So I, I think you're right. I'm kind of into this. I'm probably, I don't think I'm going to seek this out, but I could see myself watching this at some point. If it's already, like if I finish up watching an episode of The Mandalorian and it's like, you might like Turner and Hooch starring Josh Peck. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I'm going to just tell you about this on the episode because we forgot to talk about this before the episode. But uh, have you started watching Alex Rider yet? Have I started what? Watching Alex Rider. Uh, They adapted the Alex Rider books into a television program on the BBC. I saw that that was happening. I'm not, surprisingly, I'm not an Alex Ryder guy. I never read that as a kid. So I'm like not as hyped as I imagine you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you have to watch it, even though you weren't an Alex Ryder kid. Ollie, uh, the little shit for the watch, Ollie, uh, is Alex Ryder's best friend on the show. And Stephen Delane, a.k.a. Stannis Baratheon, plays uh, the MI6 boss. Oh, he'd be good at that. Yeah, he's excellent. Although he's wearing a weird wig, which is kind of odd. He like probably won't need to like burn any kids at the stake or anything, right? I would not think. Um, I think he probably will. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of typecast now as a guy that burns kids at the stake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remembered. So <laughs> the listeners hopefully won't notice this, but Kyle and I... Are, are having some interesting technical situations. So we're recording this like quite a bit after the first time we recorded this. Um, and, <laughs> like two and I, weeks later. Yeah. And I just remembered, um, in the same way that I remembered right before we started recording what the episode was, I <laughs> just remembered that we were doing a thing where I was reading the IMDb um, yeah, 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 yeah. synopsis <laughs> and having you guess what the movie was. 
<laughs> so, are you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, and I also I have no recollection whether I mentioned that uh, at the same time as Turner and Hooch, a film called K Nine, starring Jim Belushi, came out. But um, <laughs> if I didn't mention that, I did now. Yeah, and we're not going to yeah. cut it if you already mentioned it. No, no, you can suck my butt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now there's there's like a quick synopsis, but I like the longer one better. Okay, so I'm gonna sorry, this is gonna be a little long, but it's good. All right, you ready? Yeah, hit me. All right, so this is number eight. Um, being a and I'm gonna and I'm just gonna air. I'm gonna actually censor say, the what. You're going to, like, censor the part where it says the title in it, or, like... Oh, good, yes, it actually does, but I'm also going to say the quotes. There's a, there's one spot where it has a quote-unquote, oh. and I'm going to use that. Oh. Uh, being a lone young boy in the, quote, hood, unquote, is dangerous and unpleasant. This is what Max experiences when he fools a gang of local toughs who cornered him at school. The gang finds out that the key he gave them is of no value in committing a robbery, and they chase him through the streets of his neighborhood, bent on revenge. He tries to escape by slipping into the open door of an old warehouse, but they follow him there, too. While running from them through aisles filled with all kinds of stuff, says stuff, he bumps into an old boombox. By doing that, he manages to release, redacted, a genie who has been held captive for thousands of years, in order to stay free, redacted, must give Max three wishes. Name that film, baby. This is, it's, I don't remember the name, but it's the one where Shaq is the rapping genie, right? It is the one with Shaq is the rapping genie, a.k.a. Yeah. Kazam. Yeah, Kazam. My goodness, what an utterly offensive description of a film. My word, um... Also, what a terrible synopsis. Like, you like you just could have read the last sentence and, like, that's it. Like, oh, he releases a genie that has to grant him three wishes. It's more or less the synopsis, right? Like, Yeah, holy cow. Also, I'm looking right now. Now I got to understand what I'm looking at exactly. But uh, the young kid who plays Max, the main character in this, appears to now have uh, a bunch of tattoos on his face. <laughs> Yeah, he looks quite different than he did as a young boy. Um, it's not all that surprising, I guess. No, I mean, everybody have tattoos in your face if you want, but um, just understand that I'm going to draw some conclusions, uh, and I have. But at any rate, yeah, that is incredibly uh, like racist, for sure, um, and weird synopsis yeah. of a film. Can I ask you a question about the parameters of this list yeah so like like it has to be like i was thinking of like for example like spider-man is is ridiculous right like yeah. by nature because like it's a guy that can fucking shoot webs out of his hands but like i, I wouldn't consider spider-man is something that would be on this list because it's not really like set in our universe like the ridiculousness of it Yep. Is like the point of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in, in a movie like this, it is ridiculous. But like we're we're already buying into the notion that genies exist. The mo the reason that this movie is ridiculous is because 
once we've made that leap, we're then making the further leap of saying that, like, the genie is Shaq and he raps. Like, that's the ridiculous part of it, right? Precisely. Like, there's nothing ridiculous about Aladdin. Like, the the <laughs> legend of Aladdin is is rather old, and it's, like, actually a very beautiful story. And the film right. version, yes, it's a little goofy having Robin Williams, like, say silly stuff, but there's nothing in the realm of that film that's odd. But this is nominally set in, like, regular world. And even if you accept that there are going to be genies, having them come out of boomboxes and be Shaq and be based off of really outdated racist caricatures in, like, the 1990s, it's just, it's a lot to really uh, take in. Yeah, like, to me, that's the that's the ridiculous and the strange setup part of this movie. Like, not the fact that a genie exists and is giving anybody three wishes. I want to make, I wanna make that very clear, because I think that's actually an important distinction. Like, yeah, like where we're drawing the lines somewhat arbitrarily here. But well, it's also, it? it's sort of like, turn. yes, I have seen it. It's been a while. Okay. Um, but it's sort of like Turner and Hooch, where I don't, if, if Hooch... See, this is actually what I... This is a good point. This is a good clarification you brought up. If Hooch were magical, I would find that movie less weird. I agree, what's 100%. We, what's weird about that movie is that Hooch is just a dog, but he's like... <laughs> well, like... <laughs> a genius dog, but a regular genius dog? Right, like... Like, that's ridiculous because that is like... It's like purportedly, like, on the surface is saying that this is existing... In the same exact world that you live in right now. Like, Correct. That's ridiculous. Like, if, if this was, like, Scooby-Doo and, like, we live in it... I guess Scooby-Doo is actually yeah, exactly. the same thing. But, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's an important distinction. Yeah, very odd. Also, and, uh, um, Kyle, you've forgotten something that I specified about two weeks ago, which was that all of the films on the list, the body of the list, are films that I have seen. Oh, well, it's been some time since you <laughs> broke down the idea of this list to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so that that was number eight. So that brings us to uh, oh, a special part of the list. Oh, how, how when do we do you start now or when do we start? I don't remember. Honestly, I didn't remember <laughs> what the list was, so I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, regardless, I think I do remember that we usually have uh, Kevin hit that stanky beat. <laughs> so at least we have Don't that, Tay. that was beautiful <laughs> um so i'm currently looking <laughs> i'm looking at a bunch of stuff on an, on an excel spreadsheet and i have no clue what i intended to talk about at this part because i have I, i'm now remembering i broke down my honorables or like my not tops into three buckets so <laughs> one of them was weird 80s action movies oh there's a lot in there yeah but it has to be ones i haven't seen and oh. then second is really odd horror movie plot conceits mm. and then the last one is comedies with like weird high concept um setup so none of those is a not top but i will do the horror ones as my not top and then i'll do the rest as honorables okay okay all right sure why not 
All right, I'm just going to read you the actual name. I'm not going to do the whole, like, setup because that'll take too long. Um, all right, so <laughs> I've got five here. I'm trying, I just say I want to go in a particular order. So uh, Sharknado is number five. Um, yeah. So as, as everyone's familiar, that's a shark and a NATO. I think, is it a storm? It brings the storm or it gets washed up on shore because of a storm? Like, what's the deal? There's like some mating season. There's why it's why there's so many sharks, and then there's a tornado that swoops them all up into the air. But do they? How do they survive in the ground? I don't think that much happens like once they hit the ground. I think it's like they're like, like flying never... through the air. Yeah, like they're projectiles. Like oh, off being... the coast of Mexico, the ship of shark fin smuggler Carlos Santiago. Yeah. It's a very original name. Is caught in a cyclone, interrupting his meeting with a potential buyer. A tornado throws swarms of sharks into the boat, killing all aboard. But then, yeah. three tornadoes. I don't know water, how much. To, I think Sharknado. you're probably giving it more thought than they did originally. Yeah. Well, at any rate, there's something to do with nados <laughs> and sharks. Um, yeah. Next, uh, I want to go with the human centipede. Um, huh. Yeah, so as as everybody knows, that is uh, a movie about ATM. Um, there is just ass to mouth. Uh, it's about <laughs> some guy. I think the actor's name is like Dietrich Laser, if I'm remembering right. Like his actual <laughs> name, I think, is Dietrich Laser. Sure. Uh, I'm like actually pretty sure of that. Um, and <laughs> he he's plays an evil scientist who, for some reason, sutures people's mouths to other people's rectums. And turns them into a human centipede. So there's that. I think it. I think it works too. Like it's a success. Oh, it's a great success. Much success. Uh, also, his name is Dieter Laser. Dieter. Laser. Oh. So uh, you and were just way to off. be clear, I'm talking about uh, human centipede first sequence. Um, there's yeah. been a few. Um, there's been a okay. Lot. I think the first yeah. one is just like three people, but. The sequel, it's like a, it's like a really long chain of people. That yeah, are my understanding not, is they really ramp butt. it up. Yeah, it's like, a, it seems like a, a lot. The issue with that is that you just like, there's not a whole lot of places to go, <laughs> but to then just like add more people. <laughs> oh, I right? thought you meant. I thought well, you had yeah, that. that uh... There's not very many places to go if you're part of the human centipede. Like, there's not many. That's also many, true. There's not many places set up for that kind of thing. That's also true. All right. Um, next one is, so you've heard of a film called Jaws. Sure. Uh, so Jaws is about a shark. I yeah, would say one. that this shark is like somewhere between 15 to 30% smarter than a real great white shark. Is that fair? Yeah, it's definitely smart. It's it's smart, but it's not a genius shark. It's like smarter, and it doesn't have, um, like it's not an anthropomorphic shark exactly. Like yes, it has some seemingly some seeming desire to get uh, Quint, but not really. Like it's just kind of a shark. This is a film about a shark, and it's a really a film about how. American capitalism leads people to not give a shit about human life. So that's like the real horror of that film. 
Flash forward a few years later when they're looking for another film and they come up with a, a little a little movie called Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> now by the time Jaws the Revenge has come out, Jaws is a super genius shark, a lot like the smart bear of my nightmares. And yep. <laughs> he follows Brody if I'm remembering right, like around the world. I think he might end up at like a theme park. Like he may have gotten like into a theme park or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, here we go. The film focuses on okay. The film focuses on a now widowed Ellen Brody and her yeah. conviction that a great white shark is seeking revenge on her family. Particularly, you know, this is a good clue when it kills her son and follows <laughs> her to the Bahamas. <laughs> He's like tailing her in a car with wearing a hat. <laughs> Literally <laughs> tailing her. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Imagine if he was wearing one of those, me. you know, those shark hats. Yeah. <laughs> like, <he's> like, <laughs> Do you know why yeah. I pulled you over? Because <laughs> I'm a shark. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Um. All right, so yeah, Jaws of Revenge, that got a little silly. Now, I'm so torn between what should be one and what should be two because they're both insane. I'll give you, I think I know the way to go, though. So the second would be Teeth. Oh, uh, yeah. You've, you've probably heard about this one. I won't yeah. dwell, but let's just say uh, it's about a young lady who has teeth in her vagine uh, and uses those teeth to bite people. <laughs> it's, it's really something. Uh, what an idea for a film. Really spectacular stuff. <laughs> imagine that board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine like you had to say yes to that. And you're like, yeah, I'm into that. Um, all right, so number number one is is just truly something. Um, I can't, I yeah, I would, I would urge you to, as soon as I tell you what this one is, to go uh, look for the the publicity poster for this one so number one is leprechaun in the hood oh so you are of course not familiar the what not the hood right no in god no 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 <laughs> so you're of course familiar with the classic <laughs> film leprechaun starring warwick <laughs> davis aka professor flitwick yeah well <laughs> let me tell you uh there is a oh i think there's actually two oh my god this is amazing there's actually two that take place in the hood this one is there's also a leprechaun six back to the hood is that a is it a sequel i think it's a it's the sixth in the series and is i believe the second time that the leprechaun goes to the hood also i feel like i knew this wow. but uh, Warwick Davis plays both Flitwick and Griphook. Oh, that checks out. Yeah, He's that's short. Aw- yeah, he is short, but that's really something. That's yeah, impressive. so there's a- Leprechaun Five is in. Oh, that one's in the hood. Oh, that's less offensive. <laughs> T H A though, it's still no, no, no. Five is T H E. Six oh. is T H A. That's when it got really <laughs> offensive. Six okay, is where it so, really jumped the shark. Yeah, that's when it got ridiculous. This one says, when three rappers want to get even with a pimp, as as one does, they accidentally unleash a leprechaun who goes on a killing rampage in the hood. 
And it's a picture of this leprechaun. It appears he's smoking a J-bone. And I'm looking and it appears that there is a, 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 what appears to be a transgender prostitute with the leprechaun. Mm -hmm. This is very offensive to everyone. Like, I'm, I'm wondering who would have watched this, be they black, be they Irish, be they little person, be they transgender, who would have watched this and not been offended? Dude, Jennifer Aniston is in the first one. What the hell? That is... Ice-T is plays somebody called Mac Daddy <laughs> on, on Leprechaun 5. The tagline for the first one is, uh, your luck just ran out. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That sounds like one of the things that would have gotten pitched to Nicolas Cage on that video. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, that is just, wow, I that bet, is really something. We should ask Bill about this movie. I bet he's seen it. He loves horror films. Oh, guaranteed he's seen this. Wow, I can't believe that uh, Jennifer Aniston was in that film. Well, at any rate, that's uh, number one on the uh, dishonorables. Um, All right, you ready to go back to the the body of the list? Yeah, hit me with seven. Okay, so seven, seven's great. I want to read the the tagline again. But what I'll say is the title itself is kind of the genius. Like, the title of this film is what made me watch it. Oh, wow. The, the, this, uh, little storyline is, is really ridiculous. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, oh, my God. There's also plot keywords on IMDb. Wait till I tell you the plot key- keywords. These are really gross. And tells you why people watch this. I'm really creeped out by the things that are the uh, taglines. <laughs> oh, my God. That's really actually. I'm concerned that people who watch this might be murderers. Um, okay. So, the storyline. Uh, while practicing motocross <laughs> in Hawaii, Sean Jones... <laughs> witnesses the brutal murder of an important American prosecutor by the powerful mobster Eddie Kim. FBI agent Neville Flynn persuades him to testify against Eddie in Los Angeles. They board the Red Eye, Flight 121 of Pacific Air, occupying the entire first-class section. However, Eddie dispatches hundreds of different species of snakes Airborne with a time-operated device in the luggage to release the snakes into the flight with the intent of crashing the plane. Neville and the passengers must struggle with the snakes to survive. So, Kyle, do you know what this film is? Yeah, um, this is the one... Do you remember the um, title? The title's tough to remember. It has, like, a really obvious name. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. um, reptiles on a, on a flying boat. Um, yeah. What is, yeah, what? um so good so 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 snakes on a plane is a really yeah do they provide a reason why it has to be snakes like isn't there a simpler way to prevent someone from testifying against you like couldn't you just have someone at the airport on the other end just cap you when you get off the plane i would also think that there would be um an opportunity for like gas because the the you you're recycling the air in an airplane, right? So it's like they have a you have a pressurized cabin with recycled air. Couldn't you put some sort of poison gas in there? Yeah, because clearly they don't give a fuck about anybody else on the plane. It's not like they just want to kill this guy. Like they're putting snakes on the plane. No, 
And and presumably they have enough access to screw with the plane, but not enough to hijack it. <laughs> but like, is it just like a case of like, ah, shit, this guy, like they had to plan it so quickly, they just had to use whatever was on hand and they didn't have any noxious gas and they only had snakes lying around? It's an interesting question. I don't know, because I don't think they ever tell you that like, I know that Nichols Cage, Jesus, that Samuel L. Jackson has had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, but I don't think he, like, is afraid of snakes. Like, this isn't specifically to screw with him and Sean Jones. Yeah, this isn't an, in, this isn't an Indiana Jones situation where it's like, you know what, Samuel L. Jackson hates his fucking snakes. Yeah, so I don't know. Hold on, though. This is just, <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to be legitimately disturbed? Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's why we're here. I'm serious. This is like, I'm actually quite disturbed. So <laughs> there's plot <laughs> keywords that you can read. And I guess this is how some people search for, for films. And I just, I really want to be clear to disavow us from this film because I watched this movie because I thought it had a cool <laughs> title. Plot keywords. <laughs> Naked dead woman. Murder okay. of a nude woman. Okay. Pantyhose. Short skirt <laughs> and interrupted sex. <laughs> what oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That is so alarming. Like that's what somebody's <laughs> tagging this film with. Like somebody's searching. Like oh, oh gotta see a movie about a murder of a nude woman. <laughs> but those aren't the only tags, right? Like snakes, I'm sure is a tag. Like, it, would be it says there's 256 those... tags, but I I'm not clicking on the rest because I'm so oh I'm so deeply disturbed that like there's some network of people who are <laughs> searching for this movie by murder of a nude woman. I want to know who is like sitting at their computer and they're like, what was that that movie with the snakes on the plane? <laughs> but there was the there was but then there, that's it naked and the type the naked dead woman like instead of what was that movie but see here Kyle on? I think what's happening is I think you're giving too much credit to this network of creeps because I think you're <laughs> under the impression that they're using that to find this movie I think they're using it to source new no, movies. I know I'm, it's them uh, yeah. thinking like it's them thinking like I I'm looking for my next film what do I want what do I want I no, I understand that someone is like. I'm looking for naked dead woman. And then they're like, oh, I didn't realize there were seven snakes on a plane. It's more of that. I'm just loving Ugh. imagining somebody trying to remember. Yeah. What was yeah, that yours movie? is much more lighthearted and funny. This is really what? disturbing to me. What's the one with the planes with the snakes? Ah, I just, <laughs> it's on the tip. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, that took a really weird turn that I didn't like at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it turns out that the top six, they're like, oh my god, that same tag! <laughs> it's every every single one of these has it. Jesus Christ, yeah. There's something, there. yeah. I don't want to know that about myself. Um, Alright, so the next one, you're not going to know this movie, because uh, it's a really weird movie, Um, but I'm going to read the, the pitch anyway, because it was, uh, it's going to be, I bet it's a weird one. Alright, hold on. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's too long. I'm just going to read you the short one because you're not going to know it anyway. Um, a theater director struggles with his work and the women in his life as he creates a life-size replica of New York City inside a warehouse as part of his new play. Uh, so this one is a film called mm. Synecdoche, New York. 
So that is spelled S-Y-N-E-C-H-D-O-C-H-E. So there's two Mm. inside jokes in that one title. So one is Schenectady. New York is an actual place that's spelled quite differently. So this is like a play Mm. on Schenectady, New York. The other thing is Synecdoche is a literary concept in which one term is used to refer to something like bigger and different than itself. So an example would be when somebody says, and I'm, I'm quoting this almost directly from my wordly wise book in like seventh or 12th grade or whatever, because I remember we learned this word. It's when somebody says Washington to mean the U.S. government, that's a form mm. of synecdoche. So that's the joke. Like this, this it's Philip Seymour Hoffman is a theater director who starts doing this play about life. And then all of a sudden he builds like this whole alternate reality that consumes his entire life. And it is so effed up and weird. And you can know all of that purely by knowing that it was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. And I believe was produced by Spike Jones. So two very, very strange uh, filmmakers teamed up to make this. Wow. Yeah, and my favorite thing about this that I learned from my research was that it was actually initially uh, pitched as a horror movie. And it's not a horror movie. It's like a... It sounds like it. It sounds fucking terrible. Well, that's, that's the thing, is it's like actually this movie about life and how this guy gets lost in his art and like forgets to, to be with his wife and his daughter and all this super depressing shit but it actually if you think about it it actually plays as just an incredible horror movie yeah i really like the movie poster it's cool it is it looks like inception doesn't it it does i i actually i wouldn't say that i don't recommend this film because i remember watching it and being like pretty entertained by it it's just deeply effed up um and one of the uh, and also sounds really highbrow like it's very highbrow, but it's it definitely is no question. But um, you like didn't aren't you a fan of the film adaptation? I I own that movie and I still haven't watched it. Um, oh, I thought for some reason you liked it. Well, at any rate, it's the same guy, it's Charlie Kaufman, and it's just like loopy, weird shit. And it's I think it was produced by Spike Jones, who did the um, who did her and uh, that crazy where the wild things are mm-hmm. film. So it's kind of similar. It just oh, makes yeah. you feel really weird. Weird setup. All right. Uh, number five. This is a film you have seen for sure. Everyone who's listening to this podcast has for sure seen this film. Uh, and nothing makes it less weird because it's just a really weird setup for a film. All right. Hold on. Describe it. Okay. I will. A poor but hopeful boy seeks one of the five coveted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of redacted the mysterious chocolate factory kyle what film is this so that's charlie and the chocolate factory yes willy wonka and the charlie factory chocolate factory is what i was looking for based off charlie and the chocolate factory and then the johnny depp one is charlie and the chocolate factory this was a this was a whole bit on uh the office about how confusing it is, which one is Willy Wonka and which one's Charlie. Like, it's weird to us to, like, to think of, like, a 
chocolate factory that would be like this like so interesting that you'd want to go on a tour of it this badly but i actually think in the universe that this exists in it's not that weird that like everyone's so obsessed with like no one would want to visit a chocolate factory like in the real world because chocolate factories are like pretty disgusting and they'd make you not want to eat chocolate anymore but in this scenario where like there's a like this like recluse that runs chocolate factory i'd be really into seeing his chocolate factory i guess i think i agree and i get what you're saying so i i i guess what i would say is that the initial setup of the film you're probably right it probably makes sense like the these kids want to go to this chocolate factory i think you're right in this world it makes sense but the details surrounding that do not and are exceedingly disturbing so one i have always had a problem with the grandparents all living in the same bed this is very upsetting it's very upsetting to me but the other thing is i understand that the film so this is so this is what disturbs me about this is the film can't decide whether it takes the psychosis of Willy Wonka seriously or not and that's the part that I have trouble reckoning with he's he's obviously demented in very serious ways he has enslaved these people he doesn't care about very possibly killing children you make a really good point that the movie opens up this door of like is Wonka actually a depraved lunatic that the that the book doesn't really get into at all like yeah in the book it's like very whimsical and he's just kind of like meant to represent kind of like this idea of childhood like imagination in a grown-up form but in the movie like that fucking weird tunnel they go in where he's like showing them pictures of like acid and and chickens getting their heads cut off and shit like that's just scary and (laughs) it's it's funny that you're right because like (laughs) in this scenario it is a lot stranger and like they, they like the movie uh, even though the the original version of the movie is like a lot more like less creepy than the Johnny Depp one it's still way creepier than the book see i th- see what i think is interesting about that is i think it's less aesthetically creepy than the Johnny Depp version the Johnny Depp version is more strikingly creepy well, let's see, but it's tim burton right <laughs> yeah but the gene wilder character is very deeply disturbed and I think wants to hurt children, which is really weird in a film that doesn't make at all its message that he wants to hurt children, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know how that could not be the focus of a film about somebody who wants to hurt children. But I think Gene Wilder is actually able to balance, like, I'm a creep and, like, I'm, like, I'm a grown-up child that, like, doesn't want to hurt kids. Like, I just am a child myself. Like, you can reasonably make that kind of, like, balance in your head while watching it. Gene Wilder gets closer to striking that balance appropriately. (laughs) But I'm still pretty sure he wants Augustus Gloop to die. Which is weird. In a film that's not about somebody (laughs) who wants Augustus Gloop to die. (laughs) I don't know. He really... He comes off as really demented in, um... When they, uh... Mike TV is like, I'm going to be the first child ever transported by television. And like, he knows it'll kill him or at least make him like really small. And he's like, stop, yeah. don't come back like an absolute psychopath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good pick. Yeah. All right. You ready for another one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so this one, I just, I'm going to specify beforehand that there are two films by the same name. One that came out in 1997 and one that came out in 1998. Both actually have rather disturbing storylines uh, and, and weird setups. But what I, I want to tell you is, and I'm going to tell you beforehand, I have seen this film, uh, of course, based on the rules. But I was so creeped out and confused by the setup for this movie that I couldn't remember which of these two versions I had seen. Even though they're extremely different movies, that's how effed up and disturbing this movie was. Wow. Okay? It'll make more sense when I once I, I get there, but just know that's how disturbed cool. I was by this movie. Okay. Uh, wow. Redacted is a singer who's on the road most of the time, so he can't spend a lot of time with his son, Charlie, although they love each other very much. When Redacted dies in a car accident, Charlie becomes a very sad young man until Redacted returns as a snowman. Now they can do all the things they've missed <laughs> when Redacted was human, but what will people think when they see Charlie talking to a snowman? And what will happen <laughs> when the weather gets warmer? <laughs> do you know yeah, this one um i know the movie I'd, i know the michael keaton one right Isn't yes the, correct the jack frost yes. yeah this is a yeah. film called jack frost <laughs> so so there's two jack frost films so there's this one and it's really funny because you look at this the poster it's like that creepy ass smile on his face but there's also yeah, a really horror scary. movie that came out in 1997 after an accident that left murderer Jack Frost dead in genetic material. I don't know what that means. <laughs> the, the eventual killer. I have no idea what that first clause <laughs> means. The eventual killer returns as a murderous snowman to exact his revenge on the man who sent him to be executed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and this is not a joke. I was so disturbed by the film, uh, jack frost with michael keaton that i couldn't remember whether he was a murderer i like thought he was a as i was looking back for this movie i was like was he a murderer on the movie poster he really looks like a murderous snowman yeah doesn't he like he looks like like a nightmare fuel i love that uh the synopsis was like this child's uh father dead father comes back as a snowman most pressing question obviously based on that information what will people think when they see him talking to a snowman? It's like that's yep. And of course, what will happen? What will happen when the weather warms up? Yeah, very disturbing. Hopefully by summer. Hopefully by summer, he's come to terms with his father's death, and we can In all move on from this. Summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever right. snow are does you... in summer. No. All right. Are you ready for some uh, honorables? Yeah. Let's. Let's let's do those. Okay, so real quick, my two crazy eighties films. Uh, so one is a. Are you familiar with a film called Red Dawn? Isn't that the one with the the Russians and the Wolverines, or no? Yeah, yeah. So it's the Russians and the kids are at like a, a I think a military school uh, or a high. Yeah. yeah, they're at a high school and they end up fighting on U.S. soil to protect the u.s from the soviets invading even though it's just like a bunch of high school kids and it stars uh patrick swayze uh c thomas howell chuck sheen 
Yeah. Uh, Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, Powers Booth, like Henry Dean, Harry Dean Stanton, bunch of people you've seen in a million things. Um, like what a funky, creepy, odd idea for a film. It reminds me of this old movie my dad and I watched occasionally called um, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Mm. And <laughs> that listener, your audio didn't just screw up. That is the name of the title. It's just twice. The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. It's like this tiny island like in one of the Aleutians like in Alaska. And like one day these kids see uh, like a Russian submarine just like at port. And they like have to, it's like Home Alone style. They have to like rig up like, uh, like silly little like homemade defenses to repel the invading communists. This reminds me of that. Except this, this seems a little more put together than that, but also not much. Well, this is interesting because I'm looking at the, the Russians are coming, uh, reviews <laughs> and it has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and the New York Times review called it a rousingly funny and perceptive motion picture about a desperately unfunny world situation. <laughs> yeah also whoa look at this so this was this was directed by norman jewison who was like a big director uh at back in the 60s and 70s and look at this it starred alan arkin carl reiner wow jonathan winters damn i should probably go back and watch this yeah you go movie uh all right so that was one the other six yeah the other one is uh I know you know about this one. You familiar with a little film called Outlander? Or, I'm sorry, Highlander? Apologies. My dad loves Highlander. <laughs> yeah. That's just a weird, a weird film. Do you know, do you know what the plot conceit is here? Wait, I was confused. My dad does not love Highlander. He loves some other show that sounds like Highlander. This is, is crazy. Is it Outlander? Outlander. Outlander's yeah, the time the travel topic. one that's like yeah. that sexy yep. one on Cinemax or whatever. Well, Highlander <laughs> yeah, is Yeah, he very, loves like, that shit. <laughs> yeah, Caroline's mom loves that too, actually. This one <laughs> involves time travel and... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Sean Connery plays someone named Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez who is an Egyptian immortal who later lives for a time in Japan and then later still in Spain. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Checks out. <laughs> yep. Save from... Oh, my God. Connor's middle-aged secretary and adopted daughter saved from the Nazis by Connor when she was a Jewish child during the Holocaust. Rachel is one of the few mortal mm-hmm. people who knows his true identity. Of course, of course. Uh, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Matunis, an emotionally unstable Vietnam War veteran who witnesses the duel between the Kurgan and the Castigier, machine guns the Kurgan, and is then impaled on the villain's sword. Oh my. I'm just That's reading a, a bunch of characters from this film. Yeah, so there's some time travel and uh, um, ages-old war between immortal warriors. I mean, I'm in, I'm in for that. Sounds cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in general, I'm into that. All right, uh, I'm going to just pop through um, the comedies. So, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, of course. There's a hot tub that's a time machine. Uh, the Silly. film Weekend at, Weekend at Bernie's. Um, <laughs> these two guys, their boss is dead <laughs> the whole weekend, and they have to pretend he's not dead. That's uh, ridiculous. Film, that's ridiculous. Film called Howard the Duck, which is a... Uh, 
a duck that um, has sex with real life women, which is very odd. That's a Marvel movie. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. How- Howard the Duck is a, a Marvel character that like frequently shows up in like Spider-Man comics and stuff. Interesting. Does he? It feels like he would show up uh, nicely in um, uh, what should we call it? Um, Guardians. Deadpool. It's funny you say that because there's a cameo of him in one of the Guardians movies. Well, there we go. Okay, so then yeah. this next one, this is crazy. This movie that I'm about to explain made $100 million in the box office in, I believe, of, let me look when this was. Have you ever heard of a film called Every Which Way But Loose? Yeah, that's a um, 1978, and this film made $100 million. It's a Clint Eastwood Whoa. film that it just basically is him and, a, and an orangutan, and that's like the whole movie. <laughs> I'm into and it. That's the movie. hundred million dollars. <laughs> the orangutan's name is Clyde. <laughs> of course it is. Yep. Isn't that crazy? The poster is cool. Sequel. It says when adjusted for inflation, it ranks as one of the top 250 highest grossing films of all time. What the fuck? What's the appeal? I, I don't know. I don't know, but like everyone has seen it. I've definitely heard Bill Simmons talk about this on his pod. My dad saw, like everybody saw this. What the? F- I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. into it. I- All right, next one is okay. a film. Have you ever heard of a film called Kate and Leopold? It's a very bad film. It's um some early nope. uh yeah it's it's uh, some early Hugh Jackman, and he is um let's see what is he. He is 19th century, uh, the third Duke of Albany, and he comes to modern day and has to fall in love with a modern day woman. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of, I like, I like a good fish out of water movie. This is always fun. And the runtime on this film, 123 minutes. Good Lord. That is too long for a movie like that. Yeah. That's like, you should be in and out of there in 80 minutes flat usually. Yeah, that's rough. Um, okay, so next one. So this is one that I'm going to kind of make fun of the plot, but it's written by one of my actual favorite authors, an author you've uh, read a book by. Um, so our our boy Joe R. Lansdale wrote a book called Bubba Hotep. Have you heard about that one? I don't know that one. Yeah, so um, it's t- the film. It's uh, It stars Bruce Campbell uh, okay. from Spider-Man. Um, as Elvis Presley, now a resident in a nursing home. The film also stars Ossie Davis as Jack, a black man who claims to be John F. Kennedy, explaining that he was patched up after the assassination, died black, and abandoned. Uh, and then there's also an ancient Egyptian mummy that terrorizes the retirement home. How do they, how specifically does the mummy do that? I don't know. Because what I'm reading here is, is that... A wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks out the old people's souls through their a-holes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it has a oh uh, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 107 reviews. That's shocking. Dude, that's a... The, the, the Metascore is 57. Like, that's not... That, that's, like, that's good. I didn't that's say really that good. this was a bad film. I said that it's a crazy setup... And as you know, I adore Joe R. Lansdale. He's one of my favorite writers. 
I mean, based on the setup, it doesn't sound like it should be good, and yet here we are. Here we are. All right, last two on this list. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Weird setup. Really weird setup for a film, and funny because this the whole movie is about a dad who loves his kids and wants to see them, and there are about, I would say, 30 to 130 different plot devices that you could introduce to to have dramatic tension and laughs built around that storyline. Do you agree? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. And I would say near the bottom of that list would be have Robin Williams dress up as an old woman and babysit those children. And then have it all come crumbling down when his son sees him peeing standing up. Would you, though? Because this is a fantastic movie and it's fucking hilarious like i mean mrs doubtfire mrs doubtfire is probably my i don't know between like my fifth and tenth favorite comedy film of all time it's it's like one of my all-time favorite movies yeah so like i i, I get it like i'm i'm i as willing as i am to look past how ridiculous it is and how much i love the movie if you just read the synopsis it's it's insane you can't judge a movie by its synopsis, apparently. Nope. All right, last one. Um, <laughs> so this is also one. This one I haven't seen, but I remember it coming out in theaters and just being, what the hell? Little Man. Remember this film? Oh, I don't remember that at all. All right, hold on. I want to read the synopsis from IMDb rather than the longer Wikipedia one. Check out the movie poster. You'll enjoy um it's another one that is just rather offensive a (laughs) a wannabe dad mistakes a vertically challenged criminal on the lamb as his newly adopted son wow uh yeah (laughs) this this is a lot (laughs) from the guys who brought you white chicks (laughs) yes yeah it's basically a little person steals diamonds by pretending to be a baby, even though he has tattoos and a beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. All right, uh, let's go back to the list. Number three, Kyle, this is a little bit like Snakes on a Plane, an all-time movie title. Like, it's it's all in the title, okay? All right. All right, I'll just read you a short one, because you're going to get it right away anyway. All right. A spaceship arrives in Arizona, 1873, to take over the Earth, starting with the Wild West region. A posse of cowboys and natives are all that stand in the way. It sounds like it takes place, you said, takes in the West, but, like, it's wild. Like, wild, Wild West stuff. No, come on. This isn't the Wild West? Cowboys and aliens. Cowboys and aliens. Oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> um, does Wild Wild West even have aliens in it? I don't know, but it has time travel, and it's a weird steampunk aesthetic that just did not yeah, work. I, I was way off. Um, Cowboys and Aliens is. I actually really like that movie. I think it works. We saw that. <laughs> it was the first time you saw that at the sub movie. Oh yeah, the movie has some like shockingly good talent in it like harrison ford is in it paul dano is in it um olivia daniel craig yeah daniel craig um olivia Olivia wilde like 
Did, wasn't the, she almost nude in that movie and, and we lost our shit because she's very beautiful? Yeah, she's an alien and she goes nude, but you like you don't like quite see it. But like the aliens are really cool. Like the their designs are awesome. There's some cool action sequences. Like I I, I like this movie. I kinda wanna watch it again now. Did you mention that uh Sam Rockwell's in this? I forgot about that. What when is Sam Rockwell? I did too. He's plays Doc. What the hell? You know who else is in it is Clancy oh, Brown. Wow. Clancy Brown, aka Hadley from Shawshank. Adam Beach, who plays uh, Native American character in a bunch of really great movies. Like, he's the guy who you'd recognize from early 2000s. He was in Flags of Our Fathers, mm-hmm. uh, Wind Talkers. I think he was in Barry, the TV version of Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Yeah, he's excellent. I really like him a lot. Um, yeah, this was a good movie. It's an insane premise, but it's an it's actually a really enjoyable movie. I like it a lot. The, ins- the insane part of the premise is that any civilization that is advanced enough to come to earth in a spaceship would have any trouble dismissing uh, a couple of cowboys i guess yeah they like they're like they're like they kidnap daniel craig to dissect him and he like steals one of their blasters and so that evens the odds a little bit but I oh like, yeah I he's got the thing on his wrist like right that. like he can't get it off his wrist it's but really cool <laughs> it's actually yeah. really cool all right you ready yeah, what's two? All right. Uh, I think, let's see. I'm going to do the short version. The short version is good enough. You, I don't know if you're going to know this right away, but you'll know this movie. Professional assassin Chev Chelios learns his rival has injected him with a poison that will kill him if his heart rate drops. That's not speed, right? That's the one with the bust. Very close. Down. Very close. This is Crank crank <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yes but this is crank starring jason statham yes and, yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all you all you need to know is this is an entire movie in which jason statham just does stuff to prevent himself uh from dying and what he has to do is like do crazy things that keeps his heart rate up so that means he like jumps off of stuff he like stabs himself with stuff he has sex with random women he doesn't know or care about to like keep his heart rate up. Um, and then there's a, uh, an equally ridiculous sequel called Crank High Voltage, in which it says Chelios faces a Chinese mobster who has stolen his nearly indestructible heart and replaced it with a battery-powered ticker, which requires regular jolts of electricity to keep working. Okay. Again, this brings me to my initial point about, um, I forget now, about like Mrs. Doubtfire. There are plenty of different ways to get Jason Statham to do Jason Statham stuff, and I'm not sure we needed this particular plot device. No, it, no, it seems kind of dumb, and like, but I will say it sounds like a really effective poison, because like, Yes. You'd have to do some like serious gymnastics to keep your heart rate that high for a long time. Yeah. I, I haven't seen this one. Doesn't really sound like it is worth <laughs> necessarily going back for, but it is indeed a very silly premise. Yeah, I would uh, suggest that you take a pass on this one. Okay, pass. That would be my recommendation. All right, uh, are you ready for number one? Yeah, hit me. Well, I I actually want you to just guess what number one is. I, I'll read you the, the tagline if I have to, but, like, just think about it. I'll give you two clues. One, 
it has the greatest film title of all time. Two, it's the most ridiculous plot of all time. And three, we've watched it together. Hmm. My final hint is that it is shockingly well-reviewed. It has an 82 on... Uh, it's Metascore is 82. It was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, I know it. Ready? All right, let it rip. It's face-off, right? Number one, most ridiculous, crazy, uh, insane movie setup of all time, face-off. Yeah, okay. Tell the, tell the people about this film. Face backslash off. Yes. <laughs> Face off. This is the most ridiculous one ever because it like truly is supposed to take place in like our world as we know it, which is like why it's so insane. And and our world as we know it at the time of the film's release, 1997. This is not a sometime in the future film either. Right, exactly. So like the idea Nick Cage is a terrorist and they capture him. And the idea is that a police, an FBI agent, John Travolta, they're going to surgically remove Nick uh, Cage's I'm sorry, face. Could I, wait, bef- I'm sorry, before you keep going, I'd like you to Caster Troy and Sean Archer, okay? Use <laughs> sorry. Their, their, <laughs> use their correct titles. So they're going to remove Caster Troy's face, and then they're going to put his face on Sean Archer's face. But the problem is you can't put Caster's face on Sean's face as is so you have to remove sean's face before you put casters on so then yeah, they just because, put because it's really important like you can't have two faces because that would be ridiculous that would be yeah, right so they just put his face on ice yeah and then caster troy very close like, very close by yeah <laughs> like and the face is just like sitting there on like some ice like out in the open he's like well i do need a face so he puts it on and then <laughs> <laughs> they're just like impersonating each other and uh but like nobody like nobody notices that like they're like for some reason their voices also change but like no other parts of their bodies have changed just literally just nobody notices nope even though even though <laughs> they were husband and wife there for some time yeah um, we we've i'm pretty sure we've adjudicated the many uh legal and ethical issues with this film on on other episodes of our podcast and so we don't need to dive yeah. too deeply into it but let's just say this film is disturbing in its treatment of women very disturbing it's really fucked up yeah it's really fucked up it's not good no not good um that's uh, that that's number one without question it's just, can you imagine having been in that production meeting? I know this is the game we always like to play, but, like, just imagine this particular one. Here's my question. Do you think... <laughs> okay, all right, all right. How long after whoever, John Woo, somebody, said the title do you think they explained? Like, how long did they just let face off hang in the air before they then explained what what this was all about like what's your estimate (laughs) i probably infinite like i think he probably said it and then just left the room like and assumed that it would do the talking for itself i suspect you're right because i just i'm not sure i'm not sure what else would need to be said once you've established face off like i guess i guess you just have to be clear it's not a hockey movie and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, a Slapshot sequel? No. Yeah. No. God, no. Oh, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. They, they swap faces, obviously. Oh. Yeah. So, that's it. That's the list. That is the list, Kyle. Yeah. We went really long, so I don't want to take too long to do this, but can I just read, like, three and see if you can guess them? Like, the like three that popped yeah, into my head. Yeah, let her rip. It's a, fun, it's a fun game, isn't it? It's a really fun. Just keep doing this offline. All right, you'll get this one right away. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two childhood friends get caught up with the mob and are forced to deliver $50,000 to Australia, but things go haywire when the money is lost to a wild kangaroo. Do, 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 da, 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 da. It's for some reason they do Dr. Dre and it's so great. That's Kangaroo Jack. It's a fantastic the pro- film. What's so funny about this is that this movie didn't come out that long ago. And yet, like, the notion that the mob would get, like, so worked up about $50,000 is really funny, like, 20 years later. That's a great point. Like, if you think <laughs> like, about it, a flight, because it's the it's like the American <laughs> mob, right? Yeah. So the American mob had to fly, like, five people, I think. It was like a bunch of mobsters who end up in the outback. Christopher Walken and Michael Shannon are in this movie. Oh my god, Michael Shannon, I totally forgot. Yeah, and like, okay, so let's just assume that they sent five people to Australia, just for argument's sake. Even if they flew business class, like they did, they definitely didn't fly coach, but uh, let's say they didn't fly first class. Let's just say they flew business class. You've already lost most of your 50 grand. Right. Yeah, not, that's tough. Good call on the 50 Gs. All right, what's what else we got? Uh, you'll, you'll, This one right away. This is one of the dumbest movie plots of all time, and it's also one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to re- redact some names here. A secret agent yeah. must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high-stakes game of poker in Montenegro. <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's the best. That's the best. Um, how it should have ended of all time. That's the funniest thing that the people on how it should have ended ever did. Yeah. That's Casino Royale, just for those who are not getting it. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me just... let me Great call. Find... That's a great... That's another, like, Mrs. Doubtfire where um, <laughs> it's a legitimately great film that's based on a truly silly premise. Here's another truly great film that doesn't make any... Like, when you read it out loud, you're like, this is fucking stupid. All right, you ready for this one? Okay. All right, let it rip. Identical twins separated at birth and each raised by one of their biological parents later discover each other for the <laughs> first time at summer camp. <laughs> Great call. Um, it's interesting because this is one of those movies that really doesn't work with the internet. Like, really doesn't work. Yeah. So this is the parent <laughs> trap. Um, but holy crap, this movie's over in five minutes with the internet. But also, like, it's, like, so fucked up to imagine that, like, you could switch places with your twin sister and your parents wouldn't notice for, like, a couple of weeks. Uh, That's so interesting, because that's not what I was thinking was fucked, but you're right. That's just, like, that's parents who don't give a crap about you. But they're they're sold to us as as an audience that they're actually great parents. But clearly they're terrible if they don't know. Because here's the thing. Appearance does not the child make. Like... uh, 
it, that's not your child. That simply is not, I mean, it's your child, but it's not the child you've spent the last 13 years with. It's really, really tough stuff from Dennis Quaid. Yeah, that's a really good point. The last one I'll mention, and you probably haven't seen it, so I won't, I'll read it, but I'll tell you the, what the movie is. It just bears mentioning. Yeah. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen Overboard with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell? I have. I actually have, and that is a great call. That falls into that, like, uh, screwball comedy thing that's, like, not funny because it's really effed. <laughs> it's really fucked up. I'll read the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> a cruel but beautiful heiress mocks and cheats a hired carpenter. When she gets amnesia, <laughs> he decides to introduce her to regular life by convincing her their husband and wife. <laughs> Oh my god. So fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, that's disturbing. It's funny, I actually, now that you say that, um, I want to reference a uh, film that was made by uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter slash Kurt Russell's uh, stepdaughter, Kate Hudson. She's in a film with Matthew McConaughey called Fool's Gold that recently Mm. was on television. I pointed out to Caroline... um, that Nicole, my sister, and I had watched a long time ago and thought was one of the worst movies, if not the worst movie we'd ever seen. Wow. It's like it was billed as the follow up to How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, which is a which is a fantastic rom com. But in Fool's Gold, uh Kate Hudson and uh Matthew McConaughey are gold hunters or like treasure hunters who um who get into all sorts of like crazy violent shenanigans that are not funny. They're just like violent and weird. And they actually Theo, and I'm not going to do the voice. um, Theo Huxtable is in it and they tie an anchor to his leg and drop him to the bottom of the ocean where he drowns. But this is like a lighthearted cutesy comedy. (laughs) Yeah. It's really bad. But I'm looking right now. This movie <laughs> grossed hundred and it grossed a hundred and ten million dollars. Jesus Christ! And the the site's consensus from uh, Rotten Tomatoes with little chemistry among the performers, humorless gags, and a predictable storyline. Fool's Gold fails on every level. Bad. So okay. Bad. All right. Well, that was way too long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll just run through the movies now. Let's be done. Uh, number 10, Blank Check. Yeah. Number 9, Turner and Hooch. Number 8, Kazam. Number 7, Snakes on a Plane. Number 6, Synecdoche, New York. Number 5, Willy Wonka. Number 4, Jack Frost. Number 3, Cowboys and Aliens. Number 2, Crank. Number 1, the most ridiculous film. Idea, concept, conceit, whatever of all time. Face. Oof! Kyle, what do you have to say? Thank you, Kevin. Uh, the music was dope this time around. And thank you, Aaron. Uh, your artwork Doper is fantastic. Doper than the dope that uh, Leprechaun 6 back into hood was smoking <laughs> with dem pimps. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitively better than that. And uh, yeah. obviously, thank you to Aaron for our artwork. More of her artwork is on Sant Design at Instagram. Yeah, and if you're thinking about Instagrams, uh, think about our delightful uh, social media coordinator and Moav. Caroline Labranti. She does great work for us on our Insta at Top10KM, the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You can find her other work for us on our Facebook, which is actually going to come in handy uh, now or already did. I'm not sure because um, we got some stuff posted there. 
Uh, it's also top 10 with Kyle Mike. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so at top10km at gmail.com. 10 also spelled out T-E-N. And if you want to check out some of Caroline's other stuff and put some money in my pocket, that is at cml.photos on Instagram. And finally, I'm sure you're listening to us on some sort of listening app. Well, you probably were before we hit the like hour and 75 minutes mark. Um, but if you're looking for another one, we are on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast app, pretty much wherever podcast can be found. So, Kyle, that is the end of this uh, nine-hour podcast. Great. See you next time. Okay, bye-bye now. <laughs> Peace.